The Oklahoma City Thunder fall flat against the New Orleans Pelicans. SGA did not have it, but Jalen Williams looks incredible in this game. We'll talk about all of it coming up on today's Locked on Thunder podcast. You are Locked on Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder podcast, on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, media member and editor-in-chief over at thunderousintentions.com, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LOThunderPod. Email the show, LOThunderPod at gmail.com. On today's show, brought to you by FanDuel, we'll be diving into the Oklahoma City Thunder coming out flat against the short-handed Pelicans and the Thunder nearly pulling off a 20-point comeback, and they saw Jalen Williams look like the best player on the floor for OKC. Brandon Ingram was incredible, and their backcourt, though, did struggle in this loss. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Lockdown. Make every moment more by visiting FanDuel.com slash LockdownNBA. Uh, on today to get started. Uh, that's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. So let's start with our game overview. Chet Holmgren out due to his foot injury. Poku out with his leg injury. Eugenio Marui got an ankle sprain in practice, so he was out as well. And then Usman Jang, Olivier Saar were both in the G League. Trey Mann played in the G League in the afternoon, so he did not play. And then Dario Saric is still learning the team, so he did not play either. For the Pelicans, they did not have Zion. They did not have CJ McCollum, and they did not have Dyson Daniels. And yet they still at one point took a 20-point lead and then then eventually did hold on to win this game. The Thunder starters were SGA, Josh Giddey, Lou Dort, Jalen Williams, and Jalen Williams. But this game really gets boiled down to SGA not having it. Well, he still played good. He just did not have it. And in this game, Herb Jones did as good of a job as you can defending SGA. And the refs... Let, Pelican, let, the, let the Pelicans get more physical, get more aggressive with SGA than they typically do, which is fine. Like, that's not the reason the Thunder lost, but it does change the play style. So whenever a team is allowed to be more physical with SGA, and Mark pointed out before the game that the Pelicans are always a physical team, but whenever you are allowed to be physical with SGA, and then SGA just so happens to not have a night where he's hitting insanely difficult shots, it makes the game look worse than it would have been whenever you only get nine free throw attempts. So with only nine free throw attempts, with six turnovers, including at the end of the game, you know, you turn the ball over um, whenever you're trying to make a really good kick out, but you just slipped, fell, turned the ball over. Still, SGA scored 24 points, but it was on 38% shooting from the floor. He was 0 for 2 from 3, 8 for 9 from the line, 10 rebounds, 7 of them were on the defensive end. Really impressive for him on the glass. 5 assists, a steal, 4 fouls. He was still a plus 9 in his minutes, and he scored a the first eight points for OKC in this game. The, the thing is, SGA was good, but he wasn't otherworldly. And albeit unfair to him, the Thunder need him to be otherworldly more times than not to win basketball games. And that's just uh, the, the the reality that this team find them, finds themselves in, especially whenever Baron Ingram scores 34 points on 58% shooting. And funny enough, Baron Ingram was a, was, was a minus 11 in this game. But the Thunder, despite their faults, despite getting down 20 points, despite the 9-0 nine, nine uh, Pelicans run to start the second quarter. They 
We're only down three with three seconds left. And they could have tied the game, went to overtime on an out-of-bounds to play, uh, but it was very tough to hit that shot. And for as bad as their second unit was without SGA on the floor, the Thunder were down three at the end of the third quarter. SGA, of course, starts on the bench, comes back at his normal rotation time. He came back from being down three and now down five. So he only lost two points worth of ground for as a monster start to that quarter as the Pelicans had. But sometimes it's just not your night. And this is not an indictment on Shea. It's not an indictment on this team. Like, you do not have to act like the sky is falling. You don't have to change your opinion on how this team's season will go game to game. The Pelicans are a really good team that's dealt with a lot of injuries, so their record does not look as good as it should be. Um, and, and Brandon Ingram had an incredible game. Like, incredible game for Brandon Ingram. Uh, they were able to be more physical with SGA. And so, depending on how a game was called, whenever you can't hit tough shots and then you're also not getting to the line... You can't put up the numbers that Shea usually does. And sometimes you just don't have it. And that's both the case for Shea's shooting night, but also the energy of this whole team. They eventually settled in. They eventually got around to playing with energy. But for the majority of this game, this team was sleepwalking or wasn't giving their normal effort, which is surprising given that, you know, had they won this game, they'd be tied for, what, the eighth seed in the, in the standings, and they only have two more games before the All-Star break. They're going to have to respond very well to this loss, and, and that's what you're most looking forward to tomorrow against the Rockets, like seeing how this team reacts to um, you know, getting punched in the mouth and only having one game standing between them and the All-Star break where they're going to get to go back you know, home, see their families, and kind of relax for a little bit. Uh, and for, for SGA, for J-Dub, for Giddy, Get to go experience something really cool for SGA, first-time All-Star, for the other two rising stars. Um, it'll be really awesome for them as well. And I think that Mark pointed it out perfectly at the, at the uh, post-game presser that this team has to adapt now to playing on the other side of things. You're getting other teams' best punches. You're getting teams ready to play you night in and night out. How do you react to being on that side of it versus being on the side of being overlooked and being on the side of, oh, nobody's expecting us to play well. They're just trying to roll the ball out there and play. Uh, and he said that last week they did a good job of it. Obviously, they got two massive wins against the Lakers and the uh, Trailblazers. Tonight, not so good of a job of it. They were not ready to play. They were the team that was unready to play in this game that was kind of pivotal for the standings. Now, the Thunder is still in a win-win situation. Uh, the playoffs would be great. It, 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 of course, is house money either way. Uh, but the Thunder, if they, for their play in pursuit, they do need to take care of business against the Rockets on Wednesday, a team that's given them some trouble over these last couple of seasons and a team that they just blew out recently uh, you know, a weekend ago. So we'll see how it all shakes out in the grand scheme of things. But again, SGA still played fine, but just was not otherworldly. And, and you need him to be otherworldly whenever these other guys do not have their A game either. Like Lou Dort didn't have his A game. Josh Giddy didn't have his A game. The only player that had their A game really was Isaiah Joe and was um, Jalen Williams out of Santa Clara. And, you know, J.J. Will and Kenny played well, as you know, as all things considered, but they weren't spectacular. And so whenever that happens, you need your star to be otherworldly, and he can't be otherworldly every single night. He can be otherworldly more often than not, which he has been this season. He's been otherworldly uh, for the majority of the games he's played in. But tonight, it was just a good game, which is, is just... Not good enough for such a young team. We'll talk Josh Giddy. We'll talk Lou Dort. We'll talk J-Dub, who is spectacular, all coming up. But first, I want to tell you right now, my good friends over at FanDuel, go right now to FanDuel.com slash locked on. 
That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn because it's the midway point of the NBA season, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers can go and get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's uh, bonus bets back if your first bet does not win by just downloading the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point spreads uh, and everything else that you dream of, including who will score the most points, who will hit the most threes. It is so awesome, and you can do this nightly with NBA action. So go right now to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Then from there, you can bet on NBA action like the Celtics and Bucks game. The Celtics are plus two and a half in this one. You can bet on the Kings and Suns. The Suns are minus two and a half. And there's even a line out there for the Rockets game on Wednesday already. In that game, the Thunder are nine and a half point favorites in the Paycom Center. So go check it out today at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the NBA, and LockedOn. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball. Subscribe for free across all podcasting platforms so you never miss an episode, including on YouTube. We're here five days a week after every Thunder game, so make sure you check us out. So for the Thunder, Josh Giddy, another player that just did not quite have it in this one. 17 points, 7 rebounds, 4 assists, a steal, 4 turnovers. He did shoot 50% from the floor. Uh, he went 0 for 2 from 3. was a minus 8 in this game. Still had some nice moments. Like, he had the nice uh, pass fake into a floater, which was really good. He had that ball that he saved going out of bounds to create a fast break, which is all kind of pointing to his effort, his hustle that we've seen from him this year. Uh, he helped lead a 6-0 run whenever SGA was off the floor. But by and large... With SGA off the floor, the team stalled, like specifically that lineup whenever it was him and Joe and Wiggins and Kenny and GRE. That lineup had no flow. Uh, the shot clock dwindled down way too far for a team that, plays like, that, that likes to play with pace. They did not play to their brand. And usually, over this last stretch, if you look back on how the Thunder have had success, it's been because not only is SGA great, but because Josh Giddy and Jalen Williams pick up the slack whenever he's on the bench. And in this game, Josh Giddy. Uh, and, and the offensive units that he was instructed with or, or kind of uh, in charge of, they did not have it tonight as a as a cohesive unit. And that's just the way the cookie crumbles sometimes. It just is. But J-Dub was fantastic. J-Dub was the best Thunder player on the floor tonight, uh, and, and that's not something you can usually say about anybody not named SGA in this season, and, and for good reason. SGA has been incredible. But tonight, J-Dub, 22 points, 7 rebounds, 4 assists, 2 steals, a block, 60% from the floor, Two for three from three, including a James Harden-like step back. I think that you saw in this game, too, how deadly that spin move can be because of his length. He can just spin, you know, seal off a defender, get to the rim, and just place the ball inside the basket with his long arms, and that's just incredibly tough to defend. Uh, he even used that SGA bully ball, getting his head, uh, head down, going to the rim, and knocking his defender off a spot to open up a lane to shoot the basketball. And... You saw in this game he had a defensive turnaround where he was not playing well. No one was defensively at the start of the game. Uh, and then he locked in and brought the energy uh, back with those steals, brought the energy back with those block, with that block. He had a nice behind-the-back pass. He had a couple slam dunks that really got the crowd going. Like He played really well. And so whenever you zoom out on J-Dub, you really can see in these last few games how special he can be. This is a rookie. This is a rookie that can score at all three levels. 
He can score cutting. He can score in the dunker spot, stationary. He can score off ball in the catch and shoot. He can score on ball off the dribble. You saw him do the drive pass fake dunk because the defense has to respect his passing ability. The cutting reverse slam shows off his length and athleticism. And then he ran the break to perfection on that Josh Giddy play where Giddy saved the ball from going out of bounds. And then it was J-Dub who ran the break and did a behind-the-back pass to SGA for the slam. And that really charged up this crowd and was the loudest that this crowd was all night. But J-Dub has star potential. And, and that's that's not unheard of or incomprehensible for a guy that was picked in the lottery. Like, just because you weren't picked top two, three, doesn't mean you can't be a, an all-star type of player. And J-Dub has it. You know, again, scoring at all three levels, on-ball, off-ball, scoring, playmaking that he that he provides both uh, with his ability to facilitate an offense and also his ability to dribble and create for himself, and defense. Like, defensively, this is another guy that can switch, you know, pretty well one through five. I, I'd really say one through four for J-Dub, to be fair, um, and really thrive at it. And really um, play in the passing lanes and disrupt uh, offenses. He leads the NBA in steals for rookies. Like he is um, a great weapon on that end. I mean, you can go and search on Twitter and find all these still shots of, of how uh, his arms just extend as if it was photoshopped on, on how he gets into the passing lanes. And windows that look there, passing windows that look there aren't. And he can bait defenders, you know, I'm sorry, he can bait offensive players into thinking that they can make that pass when they can't and take it away from them. And that's going to be so you know valuable as these games shrink into possession by possession games. And it's, that's whenever the Thunder get back to the playoffs. Like whenever it gets into a half court offense, uh, offensive game and you go slow, methodical possession by possession. If you can take away their possessions by them thinking something is there and it's not because you can just appear out of nowhere uh, and get the tip away, get the steal, get the deflection. Like that is the difference in winning playoff series and losing them. Because each possession will have so much weight to it, has so much uh, attributed to it, that that it really um, will make an impact. Speaking of making an impact, Isaiah Joe, 4 for 11 from 3. He hit that 3 from the Paycom Center logo. He hit a 3 falling down. Uh, missed the tough shot at the buzzer. I mean, the, the final shot of the game to tie the game to go to overtime, that was more so just elite ATO defense from, from New Orleans. Like, just elite. Like, there's nothing you can do there. Um the Thunder are typically a really good out-of-timeout uh, team. Uh, Mark is an out-of-timeout coach that, that even got respect from NBA media at the at the midseason straw poll of him being one of the best ATO coaches in the league. And the Orleans did a great job. And Mark explained that the reason that it was kind of a forceful catch-and-shoot was because the Pelicans have shown uh, that they're going to foul up three. And the Thunder wanted to get the three off to tie the game, obviously, because with three seconds left, there just wasn't enough time to to do anything else. Then Not enough time to even get fouled and go to the line and make both of them. You still have enough time at all. And so he missed a tough shot at the, at the, at the buzzer. It would have been an immaculate shot. It would have been a shot that no one would have believed that he could hit. Um, but he still took it. He still got it off and got a good look at it, um, all things considered. But that's more so a tip your hat to the Pelicans versus anything else. Uh, more often than not, teams will not play that, that, that well in that setting. Uh, also at the, three, you know, at the third quarter, had a shot at the buzzer on a nice drive and kick by Shea. Uh, the buzzer to go in and out. That would have tied the game if it went in, but it was halfway home and rimmed out. Uh, but he still scored 16 points, three rebounds, 36% from three, 46% from the floor. And Isaiah Joe 
like J-Dub, has shown this season he can score, and in this game specifically, he can score in a multitude of ways. He can score at the foot on the line. He can score from the Paycom Center logo. He can score on the stationary catch-and-shoot. He can score in a scramble drill when the ball gets deflected and like ricochets over to him, and he just has to launch a three. Uh, he can score off the dribble and create for himself on the sidestep or a step back or uh, getting a flyby. Like He can do it all uh, in terms of uh, putting the ball in the hoop, and that is such a viable trait to have for an offense that historically has struggled, but this year, since the start of 2023, ranks number one in almost every offensive category. Now, this thing, this will change it now because you only scored 100 points in this game, but you know, coming into this game, they're number one in offensive rating. They're number one in points per game. They're number one in uh, in shooting. Like They're number one in a lot of other categories offensively um, entering this game against New Orleans, and that's large part due to not only SGA and how historic he's been offensively, uh, but also Isaiah Joe and, and the life that he gives this Thunder offense. And when you can hit shots from the Paycom Center logo, that adds not only an element for the Thunder to get off threes and, and space for Joe to, to hit, but space for others. If you're going to have to pay attention to Isaiah Joe, who, who is shooting 45% from three, leads the NBA in three-point percentage, if you're going to have to pay attention to him at the logo, well, that's one less body that you can pack the paint with. That's one less body you can put in the mid-range to stop SGA. That's one less guy that can help on SGA driving. And if you do help on SGA driving, well, Isaiah Joe is so far out that whenever SGA makes the drive and kick out to Joe, you don't have a shot to recover. You don't have a shot to go close out. Even if you're trying with all your might and giving a hard close out, you don't have a shot because he's he's able to hit from such a great distance. That's expanding the floor. That's expanding the defense. That's putting more pressure on the defense uh, to where you're just helpless at that point if you're defending the Thunder offense. And so the more players like Joe, and again, you're not going to find 45% three-point shoots, but like the more guys that you feel comfortable can shoot, at a 37 to 40% clip, like the better that this team will be for the long haul. And I think that we've also seen from Isaiah Joe that while he will not be a point of attack defender and he will not be a great defender in isolation, uh, he is also, I don't think, going to be a turnstile in the playoffs. Now, we're going to have to just sit back and see if that's true. But my opinion would be that he's shown a lot of of ability to play bigger than he is and to stick on the hip of his, of his assignment to where... You can't play him off the floor. You can't just hunt him down and get Mark to take him out, and then you lose your floor spacing, you lose your biggest threat from three-point line, and you lose your ability to score from the perimeter. I think that you can play solid enough defense to stay on the floor in the playoffs, and that's the biggest kicker of them all. Because if he could shoot 45% from three in the, in the regular season but then just could never play a possession in the postseason, it'd be all for naught. But I truly believe that he'll be able to play in the postseason. Now, again, will that be this year or next year or the year after that? I don't know when it will be, but when that time comes, I really do think that Isaiah Joe can be there for the postseason and play minutes in the postseason without being just manipulated off the floor by the opposing team, by the opposing coaching staff, and by the, by the high pick and roll that everyone runs in the playoffs. So that's my thoughts on Isaiah Joe. Let's talk Lou Dort, who just did not have it offensively. Let's talk the Williams that we haven't talked about yet, Jay Will and Kenny Hustle. Uh, and then plus, Jeremiah Rumpson Earl made his return to the floor. We'll dive into all of that coming up. But first, I want to say right now, my good friends over at LinkedIn, make sure you check out today, linkedin.com slash LockedInNBA. That's linkedin.com slash LockedInNBA to post your job for free. Go over there right now because as a small business owner or a hiring manager, you know that success in 2023 all depends on the team members that you surround yourself with. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more effectively by matching open roles with people who have the skills, the values, the experience to help you achieve your goals. 
LinkedIn Jobs helps you quickly attract qualified candidates to your open job roles with targeting tools that go beyond resume data that provide insightful uh, kind of matching skills with your job posts, with your company, and with the members that are on the platform, uh, which is millions and millions of members out there to find the most qualified candidates and identify them fast. Uh, and also, you can do everything on one platform. So like it, you can do the screening, you can do the rating of applicants, everything on one platform. That's why small businesses rank LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering qualified candidates versus leading competitors. Check it out today. That's LinkedIn Jobs. They help you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free. LinkedIn.com slash LockedInMBA. That's LinkedIn.com slash LockedInMBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thank you so much for making Lockdown Thunder your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you, talking Thunder basketball. For your next listen, go check out the Game to Game podcast. It's a recap show of everything that happened the night before the NBA in 15 minutes or less. Check it out today by subscribing to the Lockdown NBA YouTube feed or podcasting feed. So Lou Dort didn't have it offensively, but I... I I find that the Thunder fan base right now is living and dying with every single game as if it's like a football season. Uh, and that's that's largely due to the nature of the standings, how like you go from had you won that game to being the eighth seed to now having lost that game a game and a half out of the plane altogether. Um, and then that's kind of causing everyone to be reactionary. So like today, uh, you're going to see on Twitter just everything about draft coverage, like everything about, about draft prospects, about um, you know, who they should who they should go into the lottery for, they win Wednesday, they get back at the 10th seed, then then the whole All-Star break will be about uh, playoff matchups, can they steal a game in the postseason, what's the play-in tournament look like, they lose that chance game out of the out of the shoot in the All-Star break, and we right back to the draft stuff. So, like, we're riding this roller coaster of up and down this season. And I think that we're also losing sight of kind of what's happening within the season. And, and a good example of that is Lou Dort. Like, he shot 40% from three since December, but... He went over four from three tonight, and all of a sudden we're acting as though he's been a terrible three point shooter all season long. He's been he's been a disastrous streaky shooter. Like since December to this point is quite the sample size. Now he he missed a few games recently here with a hamstring hamstring injury. But like in general, since December, shooting forty percent from three is really good, and it does not get wiped away by forty by, by over four in this game against New Orleans. Uh, he had one possession where he missed a wide open three, and so did Josh Giddy that missed a wide open three in the fourth quarter. And when the Thunder lose by three, those those possessions sting more. Uh, he went one for seven from from shooting, just from the floor in general. Four for six at the free throw line. Three rebounds, an assist, a steal, six points. His only bucket from the floor was a mid range step back, which I thought was funny. And, and here we go again with the with the plus minus in a one game sample size. Like Brandon Ingram was a negative, and in this game, I, and in this game, Lou Dort was a plus thirteen. Uh, and he drew a charge, which was great, and, and is kind of a trend for him. Leads the NBA in offensive fouls drawn and by a wide margin even. But in general, despite Brandon Ingram going for 34 points, what can you do? Like, like Lou Dort played really tight defense. He played really disciplined defense on Brandon Ingram. And Brandon Ingram's just really good. Like Brandon Ingram just soars over you and rises over you and scores over you, and there's nothing you can do about it. There's nothing you can do about it. There's even possessions where you're, you're playing so tight that you're playing so physical that you're even fouling Brandon Ingram and he still scores. Like Because he's just, he's just good. He's just awesome. He's just a great scorer. And so you tip your cap and you move on. But not every game has to be an indictment on um, every player or, or the future of, of 
how this season will shake out because I will put it to you like this. I really believe that if you took some time at the All-Star break to take the names off of these, these organizations or even, or even just shuffle them around, right? So put the Lakers name on the Thunder's resume and the Thunder's name on the Lakers resume and put the Jazz name on the, the New Orleans resume and put the New Orleans resume on the Jazz resume. You'll flip-flop them around. I think if you really did that, then you would look at all these resumes lined out of all these teams contending for the play and you would consider the Thunder a heavy favorite to make the play in. I really do. But since we had that preconceived idea of what this team would be and this preconceived idea of what this team's goals are, this preconceived idea of, how, of what this roster is, then every loss feels like, okay, pack it in. Pack it in. Let's go to the lottery. We're done here. Pack it in. Even after they get two massive road wins against the Lakers, against the Trailblazers, and they now have the tiebreaker over the Trailblazers, which is going to be massive for the standings if they continue to stay close. Now, I don't have a crystal ball. I can't guarantee you that they're going to stay in contention. I can't guarantee you that they are or aren't going to make the play-in, but I think that that we should just continue to let it play out a little bit longer given that, you know, it's hard to live and die by every every result, given how the schedule shakes out to where you're going to get your shots at these guys. Like, you're going to get your shot at Utah coming up. You haven't played them yet. You, you know, you've gotten the tiebreaker over Portland already. Uh, you know, you've gotten the game against the Lakers. You got a couple more matchups with them coming up. I'm like, can you do it again? And then get the tiebreaker over them. Like, you're going to have it all play out for you. And to this point, who's been the most impressive team that's contending for that play-in? The Thunder have. And I think that since we're so emotionally attached to it, both looking at big picture-wise of like the draft, looking at um, what we thought would happen and so we don't want to be wrong, looking at all these other aspects, since we're so emotionally invested in it, we just want to react to every single game and, and, and go totally extremes. I think that we should take some of that away, especially whenever you're looking at individual performances like Lou Dort. Like the 0 for 4 from 3 should not make you panic at all about Lou Dort because... You know, against Portland, everyone had a party in the streets about how good he was off the bench and, 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 and how awesome he was and how great it was to have him back and how much he was missed. When, when they gave up 50,000 points to the Warriors, everyone's saying, oh, it's because Ludor didn't play. But he goes over 0 for 4 from 3, and then it's just like, well, he's streaky, he's terrible, like he, he, he can't play. It's, it's not that reactionary at the NBA level. Now, Jay Whale played good. He drew three offensive fouls in this game, only played 15 minutes, didn't score, but had two assists, had a rebound, had that beautiful uh, flyby three because the defenses are respecting his three-point shot a little bit more. Uh, it drives in off that flyby and then dishes it off to Giddy, and Giddy made the finish. And of those three offensive fouls drawn, one of them picked up Jonas's fourth foul, which is a which is a center that the, that the Pelicans have that just was dominating this game. And so to get his fourth foul on him, and then remember a couple weekends ago getting the fourth and fifth foul on in, on Shingun against the Rockets, like that takes away an element of these teams that is one of their calling card advantages against the Thunder's interior defense. And so Jaywell has a nice weapon about him to be able to draw these charges, to be able to wall up at the rim and stand his ground and play really well. Uh, Kenny Hustle was great. Nine points, eight rebounds, three assists, a steal, a block, 57% from the floor, one for one from three. Uh, Wiggins played really good defense. Jeremiah Robinson returned, went 0 for 5, 0 for 4 from three. Three rebounds, two steals, 18 minutes was a minus 11. Um, Little, little to no resistance down low, but I think that it's just about getting caught up to NBA speed from him. He looked really good in the G League, uh, moved really well in the G League, scored really well in the G League, but there's just another gear that it gets hit, obviously, when you play in the NBA. So let's give him some more time to kind of work into um, 
NBA speed. These next couple of games, the all-star break will be huge, and then you move forward. But in this game, you know, you had Brandon Ingram go for 34 points, and then whenever he goes to the bench the first time, New Orleans goes on a 14-0 run. The Pelicans eventually go on a 20-4 run. They got up by 20 points. The Thunder never led. This game was never tied after t- after tip-off. B.I. had all the answers, and the Pelicans, despite the Thunder comeback, always kept the Thunder at arm's length. They rarely got within five. And when they did, the Pelicans answered. And then, of course, the, the Pelicans did let them get that shot off down three at the buzzer. But like, in general, this this comeback was kind of a steady, a steady like, okay, you threw your punch, you're down by five, but now we're going to extend the lead again. Now it's back up to nine. Now it's back up to seven. And they got to continue to come make your push. Uh, despite what it felt like in the moment, the Thunder won the rebounding battle 54 to 38. Uh, the Thunder also won points in the paint 50 to 48 as well. They won second chance points 15 to 4. And the Thunder won fast break, break points 19 to 8 as well. Uh, the Thunder had five in double figures, but New Orleans had, uh, I'm sorry, four in double figures, but New Orleans had five. And this game came down to, I think, turnovers for one. Uh, the Thunder had an uncharacteristic 16 turnovers, while the Pelicans had 18. And the Pelicans, just like the Thunder, are a great team at forcing turnovers. Uh, but the Thunder, if they would have protected the ball a bit more, which is really hard to do against New Orleans, and then turn the New Orleans Pelicans over, they would, of course, have a much better shot to win. And then shooting. Like, the Thunder shot 42% from the floor. They shot 27% from three and 83% at the line, whereas New Orleans shot better than you in all categories. 52% at the floor, plus 10. They shot 30% from three. They shot 89% from the free throw line. And that's just how games are won. The Thunder lose 103 to 100. One other key note that you might want to make from this game is that we saw another aspect of Mark's philosophies play out and play uh, play very well for him. Uh, we, he's talked before about how the reason that he goes for the quick two is it's hard to inbound the ball in those situations. Whenever you're reeling a little bit and you go for the quick two to extend the game and now you've got to inbound the ball, and specifically in this scenario where the Thunder go for the quick two down five instead of going for three, uh, the Pelicans have no timeouts left, so they can't get the ball inbounded, they can't call a timeout, and that's a five-second call, and now... Thunder have the ball down by three, three seconds with Isaiah Joe on the floor. You'll take that every time. Whereas if you hunt that three, right, you hunt that three and it doesn't go in, the game's over. It, even if it does go in, they get the ball in, you got to foul them, you got to hope that they miss one. Like it's just, you'd rather just go for the quick two, keep the game, keep the game going in the flow. You know you're going to make it more often than not if you can get a good look. Uh, the clock's going to stop quicker. It's just all so much better to go for that quick two. I like it. I used to not be a fan of it. I kind of like the way that. That Marks explained it uh, to to long at the game, and you saw it work to perfection against New Orleans. It does not it does not hurt either. Uh, the MVP of this game was J Dub. So coming up, loaded show Wednesday. Mavs draft joins the show Thursday. Recap the Rockets game Friday. What to watch for at All Star Weekend Monday. A mailbag podcast Tuesday. Grading the roster at the All Star break Wednesday. I'm going to do a whole podcast just about my time at Salt Lake City throughout the weekend. You're going to get special content over on YouTube. Might even record some podcasts with some people there in Salt Lake City. I don't know. But I just want to make sure I bank up some of these episodes for you. That way you have something to listen to on Friday, Monday, and Tuesday. Uh, So those will be recorded uh, here in the next couple of days before I leave for Salt Lake City. Uh, But there will be special content on YouTube Shorts, on YouTube just short videos in general. So subscribe to the Locked on Thunder YouTube page, wherever you get your podcasts from. And until tomorrow, be good and be good to one another.